Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. We have no inkling yet of how great he is. But one day soon, that trumpet will sound. The heavens will be rent, will tear apart, and Jesus will return. As I read yesterday, we will meet the Lord in the air. That day may not be very far away. I tell you what, man, it's at Miss Roma's celebration of life yesterday. I mean, I read the scripture out of, if, uh, out of the Amplify. It says our life, our life is like a mist, a vapor. It just disappears just that quickly. We put so much stock in these years. We live so selfishly. And I'm telling you, we have kingdom stuff that's happening. And, and your time is now. You were destined to be alive at such a time. You, you have a part to play. You have a part to play. You have a part to play. An important part, a significant. God has anointed and gifted you for a role in this kingdom time. Not just to suck wind and to live a life. No, you have a kingdom function to play. And we were speaking about that last week, and we had the whole Whoville thing up here. And, and Corin, um, you know, did she, our pens didn't arrive, you know, so they're back there on the table. Whoville you serve, right? Because everybody, everybody is a who, no matter how small you are, as Horton says, right? You, you're, you're important. But, you know, we, and like we've been talking this last month about kingdom, and we'll, we'll carry on. But you are important. You are a co-heir. You are little Jesuses. You are equipped, anointed, empowered. But we just don't believe it. We just don't believe it. We say, no, not me. Well, not me. And we, we've got to get over that hump of believing that we're of something less than Jesus. We, Jesus bought you with a price. The price of price. You have been paid for. Do you know, do you know, do you know that Jesus cannot do anything without you? Us. We are the extension. We are his hands and feet. That time of us little huddling together and asking Jesus to zap people on the other side is gone. We're, we're it. If you don't get up and do something, if you don't open your mouth, if you don't do it with your hands, it ain't going to get done. It's you and me that have to take this to the world. It's us. It's us. And you don't have to become a fire-breathing evangelist or a stomping on fire man like tea or whatever the case is. You just got to be you. You just got to be you. You got to be you. But get out and do the you thing. Do the you thing that only you can do. We should call it Uvil. <laughs> but but um, no, you know, you know, we have a lot of people doing little things in the church and, and, and lots of big things in the church. And Corin's in teaching children this morning and she loves that. And, but, but we want to encourage you. It doesn't matter if people are doing. There is stuff. Get plugged in. Do something. Get, start with something. Start with something. Just plug in. And, and there's more information at the sign-up table from last week. I want to mention also, so yeah, please check that out and, and get plugged in because you have a role to play. And, and this is not just a recruiting drive, but it is a, a kingdom thing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is a kingdom thing happening across the body of Christ. It is happening. And you want to hook up 
with this. In fact, um, Andrew Womack is going to be in town next week, and we have cards on the table there. He's going to be in, in Orlando with uh, Jeremy Pearsons, and so there are things like he's going to be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He does it annually. He always brings a guest with him. This year, it's Jeremy Pearsons. If you don't know who Jeremy Pearsons is, he's, he's, um, uh, he's, and he's Kenneth Copeland's grandson. Um, Jeremy Pearsons is, is Kenneth Copeland's grandson. He's good. He's excellent. Um, they are going to be streaming it live. I think if you can, uh, Corinthich is going to create a group. So if you text the word GTC to um, our texting church number 352-441-3016, Corin will send you a link. You can watch it live if you don't want to drive down to Orlando. If you want to be in Orlando, then, then come and join it. It's going to be good. I know that um, uh, Corin and I had dinner with uh, Pastor Lamont and Sharon on Friday night. Um, they are... Um, they, they are pastoral relations with Andrew Womack Ministry. He also leads worship for Andrew. You'll hear him. He's got a, Pastor Lamont is an awesome, awesome man. And um, we, we love Pastor Lamont and Sharon, and they love us, and they pray for us, and they pray for Lake Haven, and they, um, we're really um, hooked up with them. But in any case, wanted to encourage you about that. You, you, I think, you know, I was listening to Andrew this last week at a, at a, on a minister's um, podcast that he put, and he said, I'm telling you, I, a lot of people out there are disappointed because of what are the election results and expectations. And he said, listen, the, the game's not over. Things are happening. Things are, and, and no matter what, listen, our hope is not in who the president of America is. Our hope is in Jesus. And we'll keep our focus where it needs to be. But, but we also have roles to play, and things are happening under the radar. Things are busy happening. There are things, so there are ways that you can connect, and I'll keep you posted with what I hear, but with truthandliberty.org, if you go to them, um, and, or I think it's .net, I forget, .net or .org, but Truth and Liberty, um, but, but you, will, you will find out, they'll keep you posted about some stuff that is happening, but it's up to us, guys. We do, we are, we have a role, we have a role to play, amen? Um, there's, oh, there are other announcements, but um, that, that we can wait for next week. We, we, will, we will be, um, um, we will be, you know, there are things coming up in the next month or so, but I did want to, I just wanted to r roll with where we're going this morning because um, we have a special guest with us. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Dane, is, Pastor Dane uh, has been with us, well, he's here for the first time in four, almost four and a half years. And uh, Pastor Dane was the lead pastor of Lake Haven when, um, for three years. Give him a welcome, won't you? Thank you. Um, many of you... Many of you know Pastor Dane and Lisa, and it's so good to have them back with us. And they, they were in Florida, and we thought, man, this is a great opportunity. And, and, and you would, I know that he has a word in the heart. He always is super led by the Spirit. And so we're, we, we, we want to flow with what God has. And I do believe that this is, this is a timeless message. But um, we, we're, we're kind of bringing our Kingdom Builders series, as it were, to the end. But this is a, a, a continued thing. We are here to build a kingdom. Jesus came preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and we've spoken a lot about the kingdom and different aspects of the kingdom in this last month. But, but you know, one of the things that have been on our hearts is, is, is talking about, about growing for green. And, 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 what, and we're not talking about money when we talk about green. We're talking about health. Because the Lord gave us very, you know, I, I mentioned this about a month or so ago, um, but the Lord gave us very specific words about enlarging our tents. And listen, I know if you've read read Isaiah 54, everybody kind of rolls their eyes. I rolled my eyes until I had somebody walk up to me prophetically and give it to me for the fourth time within one day. And I was like, okay, Lord, what are you saying to us? 
And I want to read you the scripture from Isaiah 54 verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess or possess nations and settle in their desolate cities. The Lord was giving us and speaking to me about stretching out. And I'm not necessarily, we don't want to talk about, quote unquote, a building program. Because, I listen, I know we've been in, many of you have been in, quote unquote, building programs. I'm talking far bigger than this. We're not talking about a building. I'm talking about kingdom, a kingdom paradigm, a kingdom paradigm of health. Amen. And it's really important that we separate the difference because I know many of us that have been churchianitized, you know what I mean, sort of grow up in church and you get, you get so squeezed or sometimes by churches and you feel like that, that, that there's this little project after project after project. And, 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 but we have, to, we have to blow the molds of our minds and think kingdom. God is calling us to think kingdom. And, and you see, when you try and think, if, if you try and think too, if you try and think like, I have got to do it all, you always, every one of us, I get deflated if I think I've got to do more than what I'm designed to do. But I'm not. I'm only designed to do what I'm called to do. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So when we, whenever we talk about stuff in the kingdom like that, you've got to realize, I just want to be the best me that I can be. I want to do what Jesus calls me to do. No expectation, no manipul in, the, in the sense that there's no manipulation for you to be who you are not. Just be who you are. Just be who you are. You know, enlarge the tent. And, and, and what the Lord, what I felt the Lord speaking to me, we've, we, we speak this word often. You hear if you come to D group. But everything, we know that the boundaries are in our hearts, right? Guard your heart. From out of it is the wellspring of life. Although the word is boundaries. We, if we don't enlarge our hearts in every way, our belief system, we aren't going to grow. Our hearts create the boundaries. What, and, what, and, and when you hear me teach on this, and that's not the point of today, but if you think small, believe small, see small in your heart, that's where you will grow. You've got to grow. You've got to enlarge the, your heart to see bigger and feel bigger for what God has for you. you know, and, and I believe this is positive and negative. If you've got bad beliefs in your heart, Jesus said, out of the heart flow the issues of life. You'll see that out of the heart come these things. And, 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 but, but if you've got fear trapped in your heart, there, there is, we work in ratios. I, and let me explain quickly what I mean by that. We work in ratios. If your heart, if you have dedicated 10% of your heart to fear, you will fill up that 10% no matter what happens. And believe me, I promise you, I've seen it happen. I come from Africa. I've been in very dangerous places in my heart. And I come to America. When you've been in Central Africa and you've had AK-47s and you've had guns around you and you have gunfire at night, and then you come to America to a little quiet neighborhood in Texas somewhere where my sister was living, and the people are terrified because somebody had their lawnmower stolen. I was like, I was like, what are these? And, and, and I learned something about when, wherever I would travel, I learned something about the ratio of your heart. You dedicate, listen to me carefully, a certain portion of your heart to certain things. If you've decided to give so much of your heart to fear, you will fill it up with something. 
whether it's going to come from CNN or from local TV or whatever you are, you will find something to fill up the ratio of your heart. And so you've got to understand, you've got to purge your heart. You've got to let God work in our hearts as we change. And, we, and that is more than just a Sunday message. I'm sorry, that is, putting, that is, that is being a disciple and, and choosing to, get, to expand these things in, in, in all of our hearts. But, um, you know... Green, and I just want to say this before I, 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 I give the, the time to Dane, but when, when I was in the army, I, I was deployed in, in northern Southwest Africa. The country was northern Southwest, it was called Southwest Africa at the time, Sudwest Africa, and it, was, um, it changed its name to currently Namibia. Um, the, N Namibia was where I was deployed. I was, there was multiple sectors. Um, I was uh, deployed to a pretty hot time at the moment. We were at war. If, if you don't know anything, if you know something about South African history, um, we had something called the Bush War for about 13 years. We had um, Cuba and uh, Russia at the time with flying MiGs and doing sorties um, around the southern part of Angola and Namibia. And that's, I was, uh, if you know a little bit about me, I was deployed as an ops medic, um, an operational medical orderly, and that was my sector. I was in, Oshikati was the name of this town. There was a base hospital, and, and, we, and, and, and this place was very desolate. It was desolate. It was sandy. We had these big, tall, tall palms called Makalani palms, and there was this scrubby kind of stuff. But, but I tell you what, the sand was always in your face. It was always reflecting. It was always bright. And after you've been deployed for almost a year, six months, and you know, sometimes I flew a Kazovac to a hospital in South Africa with a patient or whatever the case is, but, but, but when you get tired, you just get tired of sand. I remember my first experience. I think I was about there for about six, six months before I flew a, a casualty event evacuation back to South Africa, and I remember the feeling of flying into South Africa after being in this desolate, bright, harsh environment, and I remember being in, flying over and, and coming into land and just seeing green, and it was, an, it was a strange sensation to me because I hadn't seen much green, but I can't tell you the peace that it brought my eyes. It to see and feel green, it felt like there was nourishment and wholeness and, you know, from this harsh sort of semi-desertous area. And, and, and I have loved green ever since because green, green speaks to me of something that's flourishing, something that is growing, something that has got life and vitality. And, and so, so when, when I talk about growing for green, you and I are designed to live in green, and by that I mean in, in, this, in this realm where you can flourish and you can grow roots and you can, you can grow and you can expand and you can develop because you are supposed to live beyond you. We are blessed to be a blessing. You are designed to be this. And, the, and I mean, the Word of God talks about the kingdom like a mustard seed, right? That it's like a tree that grows up and, and it, it provides shade and birds, birds come into its branches. A tiny seed in the kingdom. That's who you are. You are that. Amen. Hallelujah. Anyhow, Pastor Dane, it is such... <laughs> it's so good to have you with us. Won't you welcome Dane as he comes up? Thank you.
on. There we go. All right. Praise God. Good. Shannon, you could have kept going with that, man. That was, that was good. And T. Uh, it's so good to see everybody and just coming yesterday and seeing people and, and uh, it's, it's refreshing. It felt like the green that you saw when you came into South Africa. It just, it was, it was good. It's always good uh, to see family. And um, we love you. We love this church. We think about this church all the time. And uh, there's just a, a special place here. Um, and, and, and we love what God is doing. And we, we, we sense it and we see it. Uh, it's not just in the, the freshness of the parking lot and the paint and everything. There's, there's something in the spirit. Is your worship always like that this morning? Is it? Is it good? That was good. And, um, and I love that. And, and we, um, uh, we're so blessed to be here. We, we left in, in 2016. And, uh, and then uh, we were in another place for about two years. And then we moved to Atlanta. So we're in the Atlanta area now and um, living there. Lisa's mom lives there. She's, uh, she, next week she'll be 93 years old. And so it's a blessing to be there and be able to take care of her. And she had an interesting year last year, so it was good for us to be there. But, but kingdom stuff is happening. And... Um, when I was when we were worshiping, I, I thought about uh, you know, when God chose uh, to to raise up the nation of Israel, He He chose a people that were uh, expressive. Have you ever read that, read in, in about Israel and how expressive they were? And God commanded them to be expressive. In fact, in every major feast that God uh, instituted, uh, He He told them, "Whenever you come, you shall." rejoice and he was really into this expressive rejoicing and one of the things that I've loved about going to Africa we go to Africa every year sometimes twice a year and uh, we're doing some things in the Middle East now and and uh, but one thing I love about people in those areas they're far more expressive than Americans and uh, America has has been the leader through the years when it comes to getting the revelation of the word uh, in a in a missionary way to the world, we've we've been up at the top in, in the revelation of the word, but we've been near the bottom in worship because because we're we're just by nature we're not a very expressive people, and we're programmed. And what makes it worse today is that we're programmed by television and social media to sit in front of something and take in information without response. So we, we, we're, we're continually taking in things and we're not responding to the information that we're taking in and we're learning more and more to be a people that are not very responsive. And here's the thing about faith and here's the thing about, about the Word of God. Every promise of God and every, everything that God says to us demands a response, and faith is your response to what God says. Amen. I encourage you to go through the Bible and do a, a, a study on rejoicing because there was one, one part during the, rejo the, the, the worship, and I'm always kind of 
zeroing in and trying to sense the anointing because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. I don't like just a bunch of noise. I want the anointing. And when people can come together in unity and rejoice together, there's more anointing in that. The psalmist said that. He said, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what? In unity. It's like the... The, 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 mount, the, the dew on the mountain that comes down, it's like the oil that flows over the priest's garment. All those are types and shadows of anointing. And at one part during the worship, we began to rejoice a lot, but there was, it was all about Jesus. We, and I heard that. I heard people just yelling Jesus and rejoicing about Jesus, and I sensed the anointing go up. I don't know if you sensed that. One thing just to rejoice, it's another thing to rejoice about him, yes. right? And so, man, I, I just, I love the worship. Thank you, God. It was, it was so good. And, and I, uh, Pastor T, I love it when you get up and do, lead the people like that because it's so needed. Amen. We're, uh, we're traveling, uh, like I said, and um, uh, we're, I just let you know a couple things that we're doing. Last year in 2020, we were able to write a book, The Lord to uh, uh, instructed us to write uh, something on the subject of prayer and get it into the nation of Iran, to the believers in Iran. I don't know if you know a whole lot about what's going on in the Middle East. Don't listen to what the news tell you, tells you because you won't get it. But uh, there is extreme revival going on in Muslim countries all over the world. Uh, and you've, I know some of you heard this. There, there, there are Muslims that are having visitations of the head of the church. Jesus is angels and, and things are, are happening and, and the gospel is going out. There's a big revival among young people who are tired of the regimes that they're in, especially in Iran. And, uh, and there is a, a hunger for the things of God. And so the Lord instructed us to, to, to write something that would teach people how to pray not just how to pray, but how to pray from a new covenant perspective and from a position of right standing that we have with, with Jesus because of his finished work. And so, and, and so we wrote the book uh, last year, had a lot of time last year to write, and, uh, and so we got that out. It's just we finished it. It's been edited. It's uh, the people that are publishing it have it in the Middle East right now. It's, being, uh, it's, it's about to be uh, translated into Farsi. And it's about to be, uh, we, 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 we've got uh, books in there before. We did 10,000 books several years ago and got them into uh, the nation of Iran. We didn't because, you know, a light-skinned, red-headed guy can't cross the border too easily without, without being noticed. And, uh, and so, but there are teams of people over there that do that. But now, because of the COVID restrictions and now because of the increased persecution that's going on among uh, Christians in Iran, uh, it's easier to get audio books across than it is printed books. And so our first uh, load that's going across the border will be a thousand audio books of this book on prayer. And there's a theme through the whole book that teaches uh, believers how to pray, especially in nations that are hostile to the gospel. And so we, um, we're excited about that, and that's going on right now. Glory to God. And, uh, and so... Uh, we, we, we know that 2021 is going to be a unique year, not like 2020, 
But there's some things that God is going to do this year that, Shannon, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head on. So there must be a group of people that are praying around here because your pastor is being led by the Holy Spirit with the kingdom series. Because I believe this with all my heart, that 2021 is a year where the kingdom of God is going to become more clear to people than it ever has before. One of the reasons that we got in so much trouble in the last part of last year because we were, we were too focused on natural things, politics and things like that, and the church was not kingdom focused. Through the whole thing, I was seeing all of this and, and, and uh, you know, people were beginning to prophesy off-the-wall things about the elections and things like that. And, and uh, you know, they're going to have to go back and repent to that one pastor from Kentucky that got it, that hit the nail on the head back in May. You know, he was the only one, you know, that really prophesied some things that actually came to pass. And, uh, but we can't. The greatest manifestation of God in the earth that has ever taken place took place when there was an evil dictator and ruler in charge. And that was when Jesus was born into the earth. God brought the Savior of the world into the earth when there was evil in charge politically. So we, and, and I know that God had his hand on, on Trump, and, you know, God has had his hand on a lot of presidents through the years. But people began to be so focused on that, and it was a distraction from the kingdom. But this year, God is going to do something that is going to bring a kingdom awareness, a kingdom emphasis, and a kingdom mindset in the church, one like we've never had before. Now, what is the kingdom of God? I want to talk about that just for a minute. What is the kingdom of God? You know, because you've got two, two things that you really need to be aware of, and that is the kingdom of God and the church. Because Jesus had a vision in his heart when he began to talk about the church that he was going to establish. And if we don't understand the vision that Jesus had in his heart, then we're going to get church wrong. And a lot of people are getting church wrong. And it, it was, it's not fulfilling uh, what he had in his heart when he said, I'm going to build something that the gates of hell cannot uh, prevail against. There was something in him. There was something, there was a vision in his heart when he said that. And, but Jesus, his main message, uh, how would you like to have uh, a CD of Jesus preaching? Wouldn't that be cool? Pop in a CD and there's Jesus. Well, you know, you know what you can do is read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Make an audio file of it. Listen to it. That's Jesus preaching. Jesus, his message, his main message that he preached was the kingdom. Some people say, well, it was, you ask him, what did Jesus preach? And some people might say, well, Jesus preached love and Jesus preached acceptance and that's not what Jesus preached. Now, he modeled that. He talked about that. But his message was the message of the kingdom. He was kingdom in the morning, kingdom at noontime, kingdom in the evening. He 
talked about the kingdom, parables about the kingdom, stories about the kingdom. He talked about the kingdom so much that J James and John's mother came to him and said, Lord, when this, when this kingdom comes to pass, how about one of my sons sitting on this side and one on that? Why did she ask that? Kind of a crazy request, and we understand that, but what made her ask that? Because Jesus talked about the kingdom all the time. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. You can go there, but Matthew 4 and verse 23, it says this. It says, And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. His message everywhere he went was about the kingdom. Almost every parable that he told was a, was a parable to teach us how to get a grasp on kingdom things, how to understand how it operates. And, and, he, and he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when we hear that word repent, we think it means, you know, to cry and, and bawl and squall at the altar and repent and, and be sorry about your life. And that's not what repent means. Repent actually means to, to turn and get a different perspective. It means to take a different posture, a, a different stance, and look at things a different way. So when Jesus came and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what he was saying was, you can't look at the kingdom of God the same way that you look at the kingdom of men. You can't look at the kingdom and expect it to operate in a way that you've always operated. You've got to change your posture. You've got to change your view. You've got to repent and change your perspective, and you've got to look at this in a brand new way. So listen to the stories that I'm telling. Listen to the parables that I'm telling you, because I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you some, some keys to the kingdom of God. So so he, he preached the kingdom, and, and even in the model prayer that we call the, the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is actually in John 17. That's the prayer that the Lord prayed in the garden in John 17, but, but he gave kind of a model prayer in, in Matthew chapter 6, and he said this. He said, when you, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, help me, come, your will be done. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is a place where God's will has the freedom to be done. Amen. You say, well, isn't that everywhere? No, it's not everywhere. God can't do what he wants to do everywhere. And I, I disagree with people that it was just a lady was taking issue with me just the other day about how God is in control. And God is not in control, and I would encourage you don't say that anymore because it gives people the wrong idea about God, like he's the puppeteer behind the curtain that's controlling everything. And one, one person said a long time ago, if God's in control, then he's got some places in a mess. And that's not a, a, a critical, that's not being critical about God. He could be in control. He is all-powerful. But one thing that limits what he can do is what he has said that he would do. Because once God puts his word out there, he will not retract that word. He's not a man that he should lie. We sing about that. Uh, you know, he, he honors his word. And when he puts his word out there, he will, he will only move in the confines of his word. Once God ceases to be a God, 
who, who is, you know, is confined to his word, then that makes him a liar. And he won't lie. He won't lie for me. He won't lie for you. He's going to move in the confines of his word. We don't have time to go into it, but he gave man authority in the earth from the very, very beginning. And since the very beginning, he's been moving through man, cooperating with man, cooperating, getting us to pray, getting us to obey, getting us to move and understand that there is a kingdom agenda on this planet that is much different than the political agenda, that is much different than the way we've always done things. And so we have to go back to what Jesus said and understand how to operate in the principles of the kingdom and how to put the kingdom first. Because he said if we would put the kingdom first, then all things would be added to us. Well, how do you put the kingdom first if you don't even know what the kingdom is? How do you put the kingdom first if you don't even understand the keys to the kingdom? that Jesus gave us. Amen? If you don't know how to operate, if you don't know how to play baseball by the rules, then we can get out and play baseball and you're going to look like an idiot out on the field. And you might hurt somebody because you're trying to play baseball with football rules. Maybe all you know is football. Maybe all you know is how to tackle. Amen? Maybe all you know is, is, is how to kick the ball, you know, and, and, uh, and, and throw the football like you're supposed to throw a football. Well, if you get in a game of baseball and all you know is, is, is football rules, then people are going to get hurt. You're going to be confused. You're going to look stupid. Amen. A lot of the church looks stupid today. Amen. Because they're trying to play kingdom with worldly rules. Amen. People are getting hurt. People are confused. They don't understand the covenants. They don't understand right New Testament righteousness. Amen. Because if, if, if you want to play baseball and all you know is football, then you're going to have to repent. You're going to have to change your posture, change your perspective, learn some things, watch some people. Amen. That understand and know how to play. Amen. So Jesus said, pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done. So the kingdom of God is an arena where God has the freedom to do what he wants to do. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Ask the Lord that his will would be done on earth. Pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, because heaven is a place where God can do whatever he wants to do with no hindrances, with no limitations. And Jesus said that we need to pray that the earth would be a place where God could do what God wants to do. Now, when we read that, we have to take that personally and understand that first, my life has to be a life where the kingdom can operate. My life has to be a life where God has the freedom to do what he wants to do. So I have to come to him and submit myself to his lordship and, and, and pray that, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life with freedom and liberty, just like your will has the freedom to be done in heaven. 
And then, and then as a husband and, and, and the head of my house, I have to make sure that my household is a household where God's will can be done. So I have to raise my children in a way that they understand kingdom and that they understand lordship and they understand the will of God. Amen? I don't just leave it up to the youth pastor or children's church. You're the husbands and, and moms and dads. You're the greatest youth pastor that your children will ever have. And you're number one. Amen? And, and you, your life that models a kingdom life will guarantee the success of your children. Not a church that has a great youth program. Amen. Lisa and I have been in the ministry for going on 35 years now, and we pastored a lot of that. And, uh, and we've always seen people. We've had lots of people leave our church because our youth program wasn't the greatest church. And, and we've never seen that succeed. We've never seen those kids that, that mom and dad said, no, we're going to get in a place where the kids can, uh, you know, they, they love it and they want to go. And the, I'm telling you, every one of them that we know, we know lots of them. They never turned out right. But where the mom and dad, Brother Hagen said this. He said, he said I, I pastored for years, and he said, I could always guarantee the, uh, and, and pick out the people whose kids were going to be a success. And he said it had nothing to do with his prophetic gift. He said it was the parents that were doers of the word. The parents that practiced it. Amen. It guaranteed the success of their children. So I have to make sure that the kingdom... It, that my family is a kingdom family. What is that? A place where God's will has the freedom to be done. So now, when we understand the things about the kingdom, and I'm, I don't want to, I don't have time to go in and, and teach on detail about the kingdom, but every parable that Jesus told where he mentioned the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, there's a principle there that teaches you how to operate in the kingdom and teaches you how to have a kingdom perspective on things. Just one example, how about the, the parable of the, the treasure in the field where the man finds a, a treasure and he hides it in a field? And he, and, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that finds a treasure and, he, and it, it buried in a field and he goes and he sells everything that he has so that he can buy that field. He doesn't want the field. He wants the treasure that's in the field. Amen. There's a principle of kingdom living there. That the, the, the kingdom of, of God is more valuable than anything that you could ever touch in life. It is the most important thing that's going on on the face of the earth right now. No matter what's happening on the news or what you hear, the most important thing that, that, that is worthy of your, of your time, that is worthy of your devotion, that's worthy of your meditation, is, is whatever God's doing in the kingdom. Amen. And so we as a church, we have to unify around that. Amen. We have to understand that when God calls a local church together, this is God's idea, that, that our purpose is, is to be a group of people that, that synergize our, our talents and abilities and our strengths and our money and everything so that we can be a church that's kingdom-minded. And as, as people... And as churches, we've kind of operated behind the line, so to speak, when it comes to being uh, up on kingdom things, uh, especially when it comes to uh, being able to, to, to do more than just here. Because people have not been kingdom-minded. 
And, you know, they, they, they've been my kingdom-minded and, 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 you know, living for their kingdom. But when you come together as a believer, the most important thing is unity. Amen. I used to, and I've been over worship teams and over worship for, for a long time. And, and I used to tell our worship team, I said, look, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lead these people in worship. And if we sing the most popular song in America and these people don't worship with it, we're not doing that song anymore. Because the most important thing is unity. I don't care if we have to get up and sing a jazzed up version of Jesus loves me, this I know. If everybody sings it, then we're going to have unity. And the most important is not the, 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 the worship that is CD quality sound and, and the greatest, you know, lighting and everything like that. The most important thing is unity. There was a lot of unity in the worship today. Man, there were people shouting together. You say, well, I don't like to shout. Well, you can repent. And you can learn to. Amen. See, by nature, I, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was born into a lifestyle where I was very introverted. I didn't like to be in front of people. I would sweat if I had to get up and read in front of the class or anything like that. It, would, it terrified me. But I've learned that in the kingdom, there's freedom. Amen. I can repent from all of that. Amen. And, and, and be more expressive. And so, so this year is going to be a year where the kingdom to you becomes more clear than ever. You're going to be more aware of it, more mindful of it. God's going to teach you things about the kingdom. He's going to show you, give you insight about the kingdom of God. If you'll open your heart to it, he'll do it. He'll begin to do it. But then Jesus, I mentioned this a while ago, that Jesus, he had a vision in his heart when he was talking to his disciples one day, and he said, who, who do, what are they saying? What are the crowds saying about me? Who, who are people saying that I am? And, and his disciples said, well, some are saying you're like John the Baptist, you know, because people have been involved in comparison from the beginning. And some are saying you're like Elijah reborn, you know. And I'm paraphrasing. Some, some are saying, you know, you're like this prophet or that. And he said, well, that, you know, that's interesting. That's good. But let me ask you a question. Who do you say that I am? What about you? What about you guys that have, that have been with me from the beginning? Who do you say that I am? You know, and I'm sure there was a pause and people were thinking, you know, man, there's a lot of stuff we could say. And, and Big Mouth Peter, you know, he just opened his mouth and he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And I'm sure he, after he said it, he probably thought, was that out loud? Did I just say that? And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you didn't get that from the crowd. You didn't get that on your own. You got that from heaven. The Father just revealed to you and gave you a revelation of who I am. And I'm telling you that your name is Peter. And upon this rock, this process of, of, the, of heaven revealing the kingdom, I'm going to build a church. They'd never heard that before. I'm going to build a group of people that are called out. I'm going to call them out, gather them together, have them gather together. That's why the scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together because this was Jesus' idea. But there's a purpose in it. If you don't see the purpose, you're going to miss the purpose. What was in his heart? What was his vision? The Lord began to deal with me a few years ago about this. And he would ask me this. 
I didn't, you know, it wasn't like an audible voice. I just, on the inside, just like he talks to you, he began to, I began to get disgusted with, with some church stuff. You ever been there before? I mean, not mad at people individually, but just like this dissatisfaction that I think we're missing it somewhere. I, I think there's something, it, it's supposed to be more than this. It's, you know, there's, there's supposed to be miracles and signs and, and wonders and, and power. And this thing called church had a supernatural uh, a beginning in the heart of Jesus and had a supernatural launch in the book of Acts and it's going to have a supernatural return when Jesus comes. The church will be operating in a supernatural way. And I knew all that and I knew the word said that, but there was just like this this dissatisfaction I had, and, you know, it just wasn't enough. I'd go to church, and I was, you know, on the staff or either either leading the church, and, and, and it, it, you know, we'd have a good service, and it was good, and you'd get home, but you, then you're like, mm-mm. It's, it's, it's something not right. We're, 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 we're missing something. And this question began to come up in my heart. What was the vision that Jesus had in his heart when he said, I'm going to build something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against? Because if we're off with the vision, then how long are we going to continue doing those things before we repent and we change and begin to operate in the vision that Jesus had for his church? That was just my own internal questions. And I begin, the Lord began to show me things, and I began to see things, and... and uh, the Lord is, is, in the past, he's always used us in an apostolic way where we, we, seem, to, uh, we seem to be involved in, in foundations. You know, the, the scripture says that the foundations of the church are built on the apostles and the prophets. So there's an anointing that comes through apostles and prophets that has to do with, with, with foundational structure and getting things right from the foundation. And then building, because if you build on uh, a foundation that's wrong, then you're going to have problems. And so what, what is the foundation? And, and God began to deal with me about what is the foundation? What did Jesus have in his heart when he said, I'm going to build something that the gates of hell cannot prevail against? Well, you can just, in that, in that one phrase right there, you can hear vision. Jesus said, I'm going to build something that hell can't whip. So God is interested in victory and overcoming and strengthening and building something that is strong and building something that is bold and, and, and something that, that hell is afraid of. And then he took me over to the churches in Revelation, the seven churches in Revelation, because Jesus personally had a message for all seven of those churches. But there are two common things that he was looking for in every one of those church churches that that uh, that he that he said that he mentioned and and when you go back and you look at that and you look at those two common things you you see Jesus vision for church how many of you need to how many of you'd like to know what those two things are well that's all the time I have we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to close this is the coolest thing right here A little portable ashtray on the side of your pulpit that a bottle fits in. <laughs> Two things that he said to every church in the church of Revelation. Number one, 
he said this, to him who overcomes. He said it to every church in Revelation. He gave them instruction. He said, there's some things I don't like. There's some things I like about this. But, 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 but listen to me. To him who overcomes, I'm going to do this for him. And why, why did he mention that in all seven churches? Because that is part of his vision for church. Is that the church be an overcoming church. A victorious church. That's why I like rejoicing. That's why I, I, like, I like churches that talk about faith. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. If you don't understand how to operate by faith... Faith is the main thing that you have to learn that Jesus modeled and preached that, that causes you to operate in the kingdom. There, there, are, there are certain messages, listen to me, there are certain messages that produce certain atmospheres. And the message of faith and overcoming and trusting God and believing God and learning how to live by faith and not by what, how you feel and learning how to rejoice and make a choice to rejoice when you don't feel like rejoicing. That's faith. When you learn to live that way, you create an environment in your life where God's will has the freedom to be done and your life becomes a kingdom environment. That's why Jesus preached like he preached in every place, and he created environments everywhere that he went. But did you know there were certain environments that Jesus was, was in where he said he couldn't do any miracles? Went to his own hometown in Nazareth in Mark chapter 6 and verse 5, and it says he could there do no mighty work, and he marveled at their unbelief. And he went about and taught. What did teaching do? It got the people into an arena of faith. And when Jesus got people into an arena of faith, they came to him in faith. And everyone that came to him in faith got results. It's the same way it is today. He's the head, we're the body. He started all this, we're finishing it. Amen. The message of the kingdom is not a, a, an ancient message that Jesus preached. It's the message of the hour. In fact, the same command that Jesus commanded his disciples, he's commanding you, go and heal the sick and tell them this is the kingdom of God. Yes, we, we got a, a guy that we know that goes into the streets of Atlanta, and the way that he ministers is so unique. He just walks up to people in, in Walmart or whatever and finds people that you know are, are limping or hurting, or maybe the Lord gives them a word of knowledge about that they're in pain, and he and he and he talks to them and asks them about their pain. You know, are you hurting? Yeah, I'm hurting. My hips bother me. This, you know. And he said, Well, I got good news for you today. And they look at him kind of strange. And he said, The kingdom of God has come to Walmart. He said, I, I can pray for you right now, and that pain will leave your body. And he gets results every time. Miracles, signs, and wonders, because he just goes around telling people, hey, there's a kingdom. It's come here today. Good news for you. That's what Jesus, he preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. Because when an environment comes and envelops you where God has the freedom to do what he wants to do, that's good news. Amen. And, and so uh, Jesus told him, he said, go, preach the, he said, go and heal the sick and tell them this is the kingdom. This is what the kingdom is like. Why did Jesus heal so much? Because it was the will of God. It is today. He wants all his people healed and whole. Amen. And when he gives us a promise, that promise 
demands a response. And I, I don't want to condemn anybody, but I do like jerking the slack out of people. <laughs> Amen? Amen? If we're going to live by faith, we're going to have to live by faith. Amen. You cannot put one foot in faith and one foot in fear and say, well, and I, I've, I've heard people say this, well, I know God said this, but we have to use wisdom. That's an excuse to operate in unbelief. You either believe God or you don't. It demands a response from you. When God looks at you and says, by my stripes, you were healed, he steps back and sees, now how are you going to respond to that? Amen. That's why some of the old-time revivalists used to kick, you know, walkers out from under people and take their, their canes away and break them in half and throw them away and drag people around the, the, the room limping until the power of God hit them and then they were healed. Why? Because when you, when you make a decision to live by faith, it works every time. But if you try to operate with one foot in faith and one foot in fear, then you're not going to get results. And so, much, so many people have preached that. They've watered down faith. But the, the, the ones that got the miracles, like Smith Wigglesworth, used to walk and pace up and down the platform and tell people, only believe. Only believe. Don't try to add your works to it. Don't try to add anything else to it. Just believe and you'll get results. Well, what does believing look like? You're going to have to ask yourself that. What does it look like when I believe what God said? What does it look like? Now, I, I'm not talking about doing things that, 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 that are... Uh, 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 irresponsible to other people's faith. Not all people have faith. So I don't mind going in a place when they've got a sign on the door that says mask required. I don't mind putting on a mask for their sake. But I'm not putting on a mask for my sake. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. And if he lives on the inside of me, that same spirit will quicken my mortal body and make me immune to whatever death is trying to do around me. Romans 8, 2 says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I've built up my faith on that, and I've fed on that, and that is demanding a response from my life. Amen. So if it means somebody not getting offended or whatever, I'm like Paul. You know, if, if, if eating meat is going to make my brother stumble, then I'm never going to eat meat again. Paul said that. He said, but I know, Paul said this, he said, but I know there's no such thing as an idol. I have no problem. Eating meat sacrificed to idols. Medium rare is how I like it. <laughs> Amen. Because Paul said, that's where my faith is. And that's what God has said to me. And what God said to me demands a response from my life. And I have to respond according to what I believe what he said. Amen. So I'm not afraid of a virus. I actually believe that the spirit that lives on the inside of me makes me immune to that. I believe that if I come in contact with corona, corona gets me, not I get corona. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to be funny. or I just believe that. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Well, what if, well, get rid of all the what ifs. Because that is not a response that God likes. He likes the response of faith. He said, if, if a soul draws back, he said, I don't have pleasure in that in Hebrews. He said, but we are not of them that draw back under perdition. We are them that press into the saving of the soul. Now, don't do what I do just because I do it or don't do what Pastor Shannon does just because Pastor Shannon does it. You get in the Word and let God speak to you and then you respond to what God is saying to you and that's faith. Copying what another person does is not faith. A lot of people have died that way. Amen. So Jesus said, now go, go with me to Matthew chapter 13 and I'll, I'll, I'll wind this down and close it. The kingdom is a realm where God has the freedom to do what he wants to do unhindered. One of the nations that we're working with uh, some people is the nation of Armenia. Armenia is a, the oldest Christian nation in the world. It's over 1,700 years ago, the leaders declared that to be a Christian nation. Actually, there's really no such thing as a Christian nation. There's no such thing as a Christian business. No such thing as a Christian home. Only people can be Christians. But you understand what they were doing. They declared that we're, we were honoring Jesus. We believe that he is Lord, and we're declaring this country a Christian nation. And, and back then, there were Armenia was, uh, was bigger than it is now. Through wars, part of the territory that belonged to Armenia was taken away from them. <clears throat> In fact... Uh, where, the, where the ark touched down, where Noah's ark touched down, the, the mountain there, I can't think of the name, Ararat, Mount Ararat used to be within the borders of Armenia. Now it's within the border of Turkey, I believe, because in war they took some of that, a little part of that land that used to belong to Armenia, and now it doesn't belong to Armenia anymore. So Armenia... The will of Armenia used to be able to be done in that little area. But when they took it away, now they don't have a, a say in that anymore because it belongs to Turkey. Why, why do I say that? Because the borders of God's kingdom. See, one day, Revelation says, and I believe that day, I agree with Shannon, is very soon, one day, all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God. One day, there's not going to be the kingdom of Jordan and the kingdom of this. and the, It's all going to be the kingdom of Jesus. And God's going to be able to do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Because every nation will be his kingdom. But for now, that's, you know, we have to expand the kingdom. Just like Turkey wanted to expand their border into Armenia. So they went in there and they, they, they took that. We, the borders, listen to me, the borders of God's kingdom, this is, this is, I want you to think in terms of your life and Lake Haven Church and what God's called you and, to do and, and how far the kingdom goes out from here and what this church is able to do. Because I know I've pastored and, and been, in, been in the ministry a long time. There have been, there have been times, uh, Pastor uh, uh, Shannon, Pastor T, there have been times that as a pastor, man, I wanted to do things. 
I wanted to, man, there, there, were, there were opportunities to do things and we just didn't have it to do it. And I don't believe the church should operate like that. I believe the church should operate in the green. What, what does that mean? That means, uh, you know, like, like Shannon said, a meter, you may start off in the red and then it gets yellow and then it gets green. Well, you're good when you're operating in the green. Why? Because you, you've got everything you need to operate and more. And I believe that's the will of God for churches, and I believe you're hitting right on the will of God with all of the teaching on the kingdom, with this, with this project and this paradigm shift that you're talking about making. I believe that's the Holy Ghost. And if, if, if I were you as a, as a member of this church or a partner of this church or you believe God's put you here, I would lean into that as a member and, and pray into that and say, okay, Lord, I pray that, that everything you're saying to these leaders, that you would be able to, to say everything and that we would hear it and that shift would happen in this church so that we would begin to operate because this is the kingdom. The kingdom, I'm going to show you here in Matthew 13, the kingdom is a place to where you can reach in and grab something and meet a need at any moment. That's, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a bunch of people trying to live right. It's a bunch of people that have been made right. That's why Paul said in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not rules and regulations about how we're supposed to live. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness. The gift of righteousness given to you. The kingdom is peace and abundant supply and provision that you're, not, that you're able to walk in yourself, but not just for you. You're able to give that to other people. The kingdom is joy in the Holy Ghost, like worship this morning. We created an atmosphere in worship. Many pe most people in here were part of it. You were, you were shouting and you were rejoicing and you weren't doing it because uh, Pastor T was doing it. You were doing it because it was coming up in you. And when you released it, you, you were releasing an atmosphere of the kingdom. Amen. That's the purpose Jesus had in his heart when he said, I'm going to build this thing. I'm going to build a place. And I told you the first thing was an overcomer, right? Back to Revelation 7, before we go to Matthew 13. Because you said you wanted to know both things, right? You said that. So Jesus expects churches to overcome. It's a vision in his heart. Amen? So, so everybody say this with me. Pastor Shannon... Teach me, to overcome. Teach me to overcome. Preach to me. Preach to me. Help, me. Help me. Impart things to me, things to me. That, cause me to that cause me to overcome. Pastor T, Pastor T. Teach, me. teach me. Show me. Show me. Model, it me. Model it to me what an overcomer looks like. Overcomer. See, that's, that's the job of the leaders and the staff here in this church. You got to get a hold of that. You got to unify around that. That your job is when you're going to give an account. For overcomers. Because he's put a gift in Shannon. He's put a gift in T. He's put a gift in other leaders in this church. And you have a gift to, to help people and equip people to overcome. That comes through teaching. That comes through preaching. That comes through prayer. That comes through counseling. That comes through correction and, 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 and discipline in many, many, many places. We don't want to talk about that in the age that we live in today because nobody wants to be disciplined. People don't even want to discipline their kids. Yeah. 
Moving on from that. You, if you want to suck the oxygen out of the room, you talk about people's money and talk about their kids. But it's true. Amen. And so, overcome. Number two, the second thing that Jesus was looking for in every church in Revelation, he said this to every one of them, to him who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, let him hear it. What's he looking for? Overcomers and Spirit-led sons. Amen. Why do we come to church? To help us be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a supply here for that. There's a supply in worship for it. There, there's things that are going to come out of their mouth that they didn't even plan to say and some things that they plan to say, but the, the whole thing is because the vision of Jesus' heart is in their heart. Jesus says, I'm looking for overcomers. When the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? He's coming back for a glorious church. Amen? He's looking for overcomers. The fact that you're here, you ought to count yourself so blessed to be in a church that is concerned about you being an overcomer. Not an undergoer, but an overcomer. And I've heard, I've heard Pastor Shannon's heart about these Wednesday night services and, and teaching people how to be led by the Holy Spirit and hear the voice of God and, 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 and listen. Because Jesus is coming back, not for pastors who are led by the Spirit, but for people who are led by the Spirit. Amen? That's the vision of Jesus for his church. We're not trying to create a, a great CD quality environment of music. You guys that are leaders in worship back here, your, your, your uh, job is to sing and, and to lead people. And that's not just so singing songs. When you, there's a difference between people that know how to sing and people know how to lead worship. How to lead us into an environment. You, when, you, when you sing uh, up here, you, your responsibility is to lead people into an environment where God's will has the freedom to be done, where the, where the minister can step into the, the pulpit under an anointing and deliver something that helps equip us to be overcomers and hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. And listen, in, the, in 2021, I'm telling you, God's going to begin to, he's already begun to do this. He, it sounds like he started late last year doing this here with, 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 with the series and talking about the kingdom. But don't come to church with old expectations because you can't put old wine, you can't put new wine in old wineskins, which means you as a congregation, you're going to have to come to church with new expectations. Kingdom expectations. Don't come with, I'm talking about little things like, well, we always get out about 11.45 so we beat the Baptists to the restaurants. You know, that's, I, that's why I like this church. Because when I go to a restaurant, I don't have to wait on a table. We beat the Baptists there. Right? That's an old expectation. You might be get out at 11.45. The next time you might get out at 11.15. The next time it might be 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But when, when the Holy Spirit has a directive and an impartation, and he does every time we come together, you don't want to leave without getting it. 
Be, be careful what you're rushing off from and what you're rushing off to. Because a sandwich has nothing to do with kingdom things. Amen. And some of us, it wouldn't hurt us to miss a meal or two. Amen. <laughs> be careful why you're rushing off. Be careful. Because when the Holy, that, there, there's nothing more that grieves the Holy Spirit. And, and the scripture says don't grieve the Spirit of God. There's nothing more that grieves the Holy Spirit than, than not, not considering what he's doing is valuable. You see, honor has to do what you value. What's valuable to you. Fried chicken can't be more valuable than receiving an impartation that's going to help you operate in the kingdom better. You know, when Jesus said, I'm going to build something the gates of hell cannot prevail against, the next verse says, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens. You're going to understand how to operate in this kingdom thing. You're going to understand uh, how, how to put your hand on something that's kingdom and, and, and give it to somebody else. When Jesus said uh, uh, to uh, uh, the disciples, when, when the, he, he saw, I think it was Nathaniel coming to him, and he said, um, I saw you when you were under the tree. Remember that? I don't know what he was doing under that tree. But that shocked him. Because after Jesus said that, he said, you're the, you're the Messiah. And he said, you think that's something? He said, you're going to see heaven open. And you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, I'm, I'm going to do everything that I'm going to do as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. I'm going to model it for you so that you understand that heaven is going to open and ascend and descend and be released in the earth through men. He was talking about himself, but he's also talking about the model that he gave us because he said the works that I do, you're going to do also and greater works than these because I go to the Father. The angels will ascend and descend upon me, but when I get out of here, they're going to ascend and descend on you. You're going to be a supply and a funnel for kingdom realities to come into the lives of people, and people are going to experience the kingdom through you. Now, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Now, Matthew 13, I love the whole chapter because... The whole chapter is just parable after parable after parable about the kingdom. Don't read it one time and think you've got it. Read it over and over and over again and let the Holy Spirit open your eyes to things that Jesus was saying and revelation that he had in Matthew 13. This is the, the parable chapter where Jesus was describing things about the kingdom. He told about the, the parable of the sower, you know, he said, when anyone uh, uh, hears the word of the kingdom, it's like a man that sows seed on the ground. Some fell you know, here, some fell there. Well, all of that he was teaching about the kingdom and teaching us how to repent and see things from a kingdom perspective. Yes. 
And then he told the, the, the parable about the wheat and the tares. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that sowed good seed in the ground. Then there's the kingdom, uh, the parable of mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is, is like a, a mustard seed, you know, that is so small, but yet when it grows up, it becomes so big that birds can nest in the branches. There's the parable of, of the leaven there. Uh, kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman hid in three measures uh, of meal. It's so small, but she put it in there, and it ended up filling the whole thing. There's principles there of the kingdom. And then there's the parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. We talked about that. There's the parable of the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant circus. Uh, searching, searching for, for precious pearls, and there's things, there's revelation in there. The parable of the dragnet, kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. Ooh, there's power right there. And, and, and you know, all, got all kind of fish, and he separated the fish, and, and that, that separation there is, a, there's instructions about the kingdom. There's, there's ways that you need to, as a perspective of seeing things right there in that parable. And then he got through with all of these parables in verse 52, Matthew 13 and verse 52. After all of this kingdom teaching, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Because they came to him and they said, this, this is awesome. And he said, hey, he said, do you, you get all this? Are you getting this? I, I, I believe they were speaking by faith when they said, yeah. They learned to talk faith around Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting it. He said in verse 52, and this is the New King James Version, he said, Then he said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now that's kind of blind. You kind of think, what? A householder? What is a householder? Well, he, it's actually a, a, not a real good translation where it's translated into householder. But listen to this from the message. The message says this, and I don't know if you guys can put the message on the screen or not, but Matthew 13, 51 in the message says, Jesus asked and said, are you starting to get a handle on this? Why did he say that? Because their perspective is changing. Now, Jesus said to his disciples, to them was given power to understand these things. So there was, a, there was an anointing on the disciples to understand these things. They understood them different than, than everybody else. He said, to you is given to know the things of the kingdom, but to the rest is given in parables. So there was an anointing on the disciples to understand. Listen, there's an anointing on you this morning to see things beyond what you can see. An anointing. That's what revelation is. Revelation is not when you learn something new. That's not revelation. Revelation is when you see something, and, and how many of you grew up in homes that had the, 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 the light bulbs with the cord, and you pull the light, you know when the light came on? We had closets, and every closet was one of those, and you pull the, the cord. Revelation is when the Holy Ghost reaches on the inside of you and pulls that string and light comes on and you see things like you've never seen it before. And you can't explain it, but you see it. See, faith has, to do with more, has more to do with what you see than what you know. And that's where people have missed it. They've tried to operate in a realm of knowing intellectually when faith has to do with seeing something. 
when revelation and quickening comes, you see it. And the, I know everybody in here has been walking with the Lord very long. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When the light comes on, you may have read the scripture a thousand times, but one time you read it and you go, what? Oh, I see that. That's revelation. That's what Jesus said he's going to build his church on. Revelation that makes you an overcomer and causes you to walk in a place of being a spirit-led son of God. Not a servant, but a son. Glory to God. Verse 52. He said, are you starting to get a handle on this? They said, yeah. Verse 52, he says, he said, then you see how every student well trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store. That's a little bit different than householder. The owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. Now, when I read that, I knew exactly what that was talking about. Because we, in the town, I was raised in the country, you know, and we had old general stores. And those general stores had merchandise, some merchandise that had been in there 30, 50 years. And it was, a, if you looked at it, you would think, how am I ever going to find it, what I need? It's not like Home Depot and Lowe's where everything is L42, you know, and you go in, you know exactly where it is, and you can find it, you can get in there. Those old general stores, there's only one person who knew where everything was, and it was the general store owner. And you could walk in that general store, and you could say, Mr. So-and-so, I, I, need, I need this. This part broke on, on this old a piece of machinery, and I need this part. He said, I'll be right back. And he walked down those aisles and pulled out some boxes and opened up some things and stuck his hand in something and brought it back to you and said, is this what you're looking for? That's exactly what I'm looking for. And Jesus said, when you, get it, when you get trained in the kingdom, you're going to operate like this. You're going to be able to put your hand on whatever people need, and you're going to be able to bring it out of an unseen realm into a seen realm and cause it to be a blessing in those people's lives. That's what the kingdom of God is about. That's what Lake Haven Church is about. That's why you're, you need to be here every time the doors are open. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a kingdom thing. That's why we need to operate in the green. Why? It's a kingdom thing. Amen. COVID-19, people don't understand the negative impact that this, this, this uh, pandemic, plandemic, whatever you want to call it, that's had all over the world. It's evil. It was, it was created in an evil way. And you can blame the Chinese if you want to, but it's not the Chinese. There was a spirit behind it. And it was a spirit with evil intentions to not only kill people, but to kill the work of God all over the world. And people here, we don't, we don't, sometimes we don't think about it. We don't understand how missions has been shut down in 2020 like never before on the face of the earth. Schools that we've, we go to and train people in, in in Africa, thank God some of them can do it online, but not everybody in these countries has internet. 
So if you don't, if you don't have good internet, you can't watch a stream video. And so missionaries have had to come, and, and I know missionaries personally that are back in the States and have been here over a year now and limited in what they can do. This thing is evil. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We're not afraid of it. We're not afraid of it. We believe that we're immune to it. We believe that the greater one lives on the inside of us. We're all in. We're going to believe it. We're not going to be half one foot in, uh, in faith and the other one in fear. Or we've got to use wisdom. I mean, you either believe what God said or you don't. There's, I mean, what other wisdom do you need? Then God said, by his stripes you're healed. And not only that, he's commissioned you to be the general store owner that knows how to go and reach in a, a box of healing and bring that healing to somebody that needs it. Well, if you're afraid to touch somebody that has COVID, how are you going to lay hands on the sick and obey what Jesus said? Amen. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Repent. You got, we got to think differently. Because the world, the world wants to shape your thinking. Yes. We're going to get them all to think like this, and we're going to get them all to do this. And we're, yep. No, you're not. We're going to obey what Jesus said. Jesus yeah. would walk right up to a leper who, who it was against the law to touch a leper, and he stretched out his hand, and he put his hand right on that leper's body, and, and the, the leprosy didn't get on Jesus. Jesus got on the leper. And he said, the work should I do, so do you do also. Now, you can be excited about that, and, and, but I'm telling you, God wants you to go beyond excitement. He wants, you to, he wants the revelation of it to hit you, and, and, and then he wants you to respond according to that revelation. And like I said, don't try to respond just because somebody else does it. You get in that, that promise of, of God, and you, you make it personal, and, and you meditate on that until the revelation of it hits you, and then you respond to what God said. Amen. I know people that have given their car away because some other preacher gave a car away and they walked for a year. You know, I gave a car away and God gave me three in return. And with that, glory to God, I want three cars. They go give their car away and walk for a year, you know, because they're trying to operate on somebody else's revelation. Get in the word. Amen. Glory to God. Would you stand up just for a moment? I'm going to turn this over back, back to Shannon, but I want, to, I want us to pray. Because I, I am a general store owner, and you are too, but I'm the one telling this story, so I get to be the general store owner. And today, we can create an environment for the kingdom, and the will of God is healing for you, and strength for you, and provision for you. Now listen to me, I, I believe in sowing and reaping and I believe in tithing and, and those things, but that's not what qualifies you to be blessed. What qualifies you to be blessed is Jesus took your poverty so that you could have his wealth. And giving is all just icing on the cake that we get to do, we get to tithe, we get to, we get to operate in sowing and reaping, but that doesn't determine our prosperity. Ultimately, our prosperity is determined because the one who had the grace to take our poverty took it. And in exchange, we get his wealth. And he did that with your healing. The one, the one who, who became sick for you, 
so that you could be healed. He wants you well. And he wants you blessed. And he wants your mind free and your mind clear. And he not only wants you to be, to be healthy and wealthy, he wants you to move beyond that and begin to operate in the green. What does that mean? That means you begin to operate in that general store owner faith where you begin to put your hands on these things and you begin to bring the kingdom everywhere you go. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we receive from the kingdom this morning. This place, Lake Haven Church, this room is an environment where your kingdom can manifest and operate. And so right now, in Jesus' name, if you have pain in your body, I rebuke the pain and I bring healing to you good news of the kingdom is you came into a place this morning where the kingdom of God is and we bring healing to you now in the name of Jesus we declare healing over your body strength in your legs strength in your back strength in your mind in Jesus name we declare you free in the name of Jesus now just lift your hands and say I receive that I receive it I take it to myself I receive it. And Father, right now we declare over Lake Haven Church that this year is a year of kingdom mindsets. This year is a year of kingdom awareness and kingdom perspective like never before. Help us to see it, Lord. Help us to walk in the reality of it, the power of it. This is the year. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the year. Come on, say that out loud. This is the year. Glory to God. Glory to God. We were in a meeting this week, and, and the, the man that was preaching prophetically declared that. And I don't know if, if you're kind of familiar with prophetic declarations. I mean, anybody can declare something. But when God speaks something, speaks a word, and it is prophetically declared, then you have to reach out and grab hold of that. And this, that was, you know what the word was? This is the year. This is the year. Reach out and grab that. Right now, in Jesus' name, you, for your family, for your children, this is the year. In Jesus' name. No disease. No, no accidents, no lack, just abundance. The kingdom of God. Jesus paid for it. We're going to walk in it in Jesus' name. Come on, shout it out one more time. This is the year in Jesus' name.